Hello and welcome to Tex Talks Extra. I am Tex and today I'm very excited to bring you a brand new series in partnership with Bay Electronica, with Love, the agency and the Music in Africa Foundation who launched an incredible program last month called Raise the Bar. Developed as part of the Music in Africa Live program, which is supported by the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung and Guter Institute, the Raise the Bar program seeks to bolster the presence of women in other aspects of the music industry, as well as equip them with the skill set necessary for survival in an otherwise impenetrable industry. Today, I am talking to marketing strategist Zetu Koka, who is one of the mentors facilitating a hybrid internship. And I'm super excited to dive into all aspects of PR and rollouts and marketing with one of my favorite people from the scene. Zetu, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Tekla. Hi, I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Text Talks, my favorite podcast, who knew? It's a great hey. moment for me. How are you? Yay! Hey. Oh, I love it. When, love it when people say that. People don't South say that African very often. Music podcast <laughs> number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a sweetheart. You know, when I had a look at all the publications that you've written for and all the brands that you've worked with over the years, Zetu, it's so interesting to track your journey, right? From journalism, which I had no idea about to PR, and then to music marketing, right? Growing up, did did little Zetu ever think <laughs> that this would be her path, right? Little Zetu and big Zetu are equally <laughs> surprised that this is how things turn out. Because strangely enough, in the beginning, I went to Rhodes University to study towards law. And then eventually I fell in love with journalism, which is a subject I took by chance. And then I really dove into the world of journalism, fashion journalism in 2012. So because I entered journalism before the music industry, unless you like go into the depths of my LinkedIn or you hear me mentioning it once in a blue moon, most people would never know. Mm. But the journey into the music industry is something I've always been interested in but never knew how to get into. So once I finally got in there, I almost lost interest in being a journalist. Um, I enjoy writing things from time to time. It works really well for my career now. But it's crazy that what at a, what a younger Zetu thought was amazing in the beginning, older Zetu now is like, I would yawn if I had to write another story. <laughs> Uh, but the, also the world of journalism people don't understand is it's rough. It's rough out here, especially post-COVID with not a lot of vacancies um, and Exactly. An the pandemic is actually mm. – the pandemic took away so many media publications within South Africa, and I noticed a huge difference between – when it started in March 2022, because in marketing, obviously, I liaise with a lot of media. And of by the end of uh, 2020, they, half of them were gone. That was hectic, a very hectic time period. It's definitely one of our industries that suffered the most, and it's been felt in other industries as well. 
It's so crazy because from a music journalism perspective, at least, my inquiries have quadrupled since COVID started. And that's because there's such a big void in the industry currently. And we'll get to, you know, talking about the rollout of of a release and, you know, how to make those contacts, who to chat to and those sort of things. But I want to go back to when we met, right, which was when you were leading marketing, PR and digital for Rocking the Daisies. Yes. I mean, that's a huge portfolio, you. <laughs> it's no it's, small It's a feat. crazy, <laughs> it's such a crazy experience to have lived the Rocking the Daisies experience and especially at the level that I did back when I did. So when I started working there, it was in 2015 through Seed Experiences, the original creators of the festival. Wow, and an I started OG. with a little old, the OGs. I started <laughs> um, as the PR assistant and the actual PR manager went on maternity leave and decided never to come back. But we were so close to Rocking the Daisies 2015 that Brian Little and the team didn't actually have enough time to hire a PR manager and train them leading up into that festival that it was my first time doing PR. I'd only been doing it for about three months at that point, And it was like, okay, you're head of PR now. <laughs> so that's kind of how that leap went. And from there, I just grew with the company over the years. And I think it became part of my career and professional identity because I grew up there. You know, I started there when I was 24 and I left the festival when I was 30. So it's like I matured and got older with it. So it came with a lot of responsibilities. I think a lot of my love for music and the entertainment industry definitely stemmed from that. I learned so much. As you said, like it's such a big role to have had that it gave me every element to be really great at what I do now because I had to learn it all, run it all, and literally by myself do it all. You know, you're right. You really did grow with the company from when once more seed was in charge to now the stay in entertainment takeover. And, you know, you were announced as one of the people who were leading the next generation of Rock in the Daisies before you left, one of three ladies. Um, but what do you think your biggest takeaway skill was from working at Rocking the Daisies for so long? I think I really became an amazing marketing strategist. That is strategic thinking is the biggest takeaway that I got from the festival because it is such a multifaceted entity to market. And it really is on your levels of your Revolt Festival, your Coachellas, mm. um, your Lollapaloozas, because you are not only trying to sweat and sell 20,000 tickets <laughs> on the side, you are giving as many of the artists as possible PR opportunities. You are creating marketing strategies for the brands and the way in which the brand and the festival relationship is perceived publicly. You are building an app. That was one of my favorite things to do that many people don't know that I used to do is building the annual festival app. Wow. So you are building the app and creating 
a user experience on the ground. Um, something I'm really proud of as well before I left was being able to create an interactive map within the app. So you could click on somewhere in the festival and see what you could do there and see photos of the activation. And so there's so many levels to it. So you learn how to market an app, how to drive um, downloads, click-throughs, everything just related to that. You learn the skill of CRM and recruitment for pre-registrations. Because as much as people think that a brand name or a festival name sells the festival, it only sells so many tickets, the rest of the road, you got to pedal on your little bike <laughs> and go for it and work with your team. Um, I also really became a strong strategist. I learned how to use the artist and the artist's music to sell the experience beyond just selling the experience. So I think that skill having been strengthened there, I was able to translate it to this side of the music industry where I work now, which is primarily building and implementing marketing strategies for musicians. So for the release of their albums, EPs and singles, and having been a journalist in the past, you know, it all came together. Having done the journalism, the PR, the social media, you know, everything at Daisy's was a combination, ooh, English, we'll go with that word, <laughs> of what it is, you know, that I do today. So it's definitely incredible. And the support of Stain Entertainment was phenomenal. To be a black woman in the event industry, particularly music festivals, at the time that I was, was a rare thing. Most of the time, people used to always think I'm one of the cleaners and not actually official staff. It's still a problem to this day, which is why representation matters, which is why programs like this Bay Electronica one matters, because people need to be trained and put in the positions where they can be those people. But to have worked with Stain Entertainment, who believes in growing people and evolving, you know, taking you from point A to point B was also amazing. It's a growth that I'm so eternally grateful for. Because if you look at my record at Rocking the Daisies, every single year from 2016, I leveled up, I progressed. They gave me the tools I needed to be better within my career. And if you look at the two phenomenal women still running it and left there, who are Ashley Kotzer and Shannon Valstar, they have leveled up. They hold amazing roles. They have progressed. So that's really, it's the strategic thinking and always seeing where next a person can go within their respective career that I would say are the biggest skills that I've taken from that experience. You really are a sum of all of your fantastic parts. And it seems to me Thank like you. your current role at Artist Service Agency Platoon plays so well with all of your strengths and all of your knowledge that you've earned throughout your years of working in the South African music industry. But tell me a little bit more about what your current role at Platoon involves. 
Absolutely. So I create and implement marketing strategies for different musicians. So when artists are signed to Platoon, Platoon works with artists on a project-to-project basis, Mm -hmm. I will have a specific artist or project that is assigned to me. And what's wonderful is that it's a such a collaborative experience. Although it's a company based in the UK, we work and function as one. So it's not like there's Platoon Africa, Platoon UK, Platoon US. It's quite a small company, actually. So when I create a strategy for my people within South Africa or in East and West Africa, which are some of the campaigns I work on, I often lean on my American colleagues to contribute valuable aspects of the crossover potential and aspects of the strategies. So my primary role is really to listen to the music, get to know the artist and propose a strategy that of how the world will hear their music for the first time, see the visuals for the first time, pitch for incredible opportunities, whether it's one of the most recent uh, accomplishments, which is a double cover for GQ's music edition, where it featured Sanal and Arekunle Gold, just ways to make the music experience more valuable and to be intended the way the artist truly wanted it to be experienced. I mean, for something like the GQ Music Edition, right, would you get in touch with their team or would their team share the strat with you and say, okay, listen, this is what we're planning. Do you have any musicians in mind or would you put that together and then pitch it to them as an idea? So this is something that I approached them with. Um, A colleague of mine was like, why don't we partner with someone for a magazine cover? And I was like, you can do that. And we were all asking, can you do that? So I was like, well, I guess we'll never know unless we ask. Mm -hmm. And I approached GQ South Africa and I was like, I would love to do a cover with you guys with um, an amazing artist or two from our roster and we can take the conversation from there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. Would you be open to it? And this is a conversation that went on for almost a year before we actually started to put it together because they don't typically do a music issue. And once we had decided on who the covers would be, because it's, these are not your typical representation of African music on the, on the cover of the biggest um, men's magazine on the continent. That's not Sanal and Adekunle Gold to the average person is not the people that we think of. So we really had to put ourselves in a collaborative game changer space to almost be like, wait a minute, we're in the position to be able to determine who we as experts in our fields believe are the next leaders within the music space. So it really just came from asking. I'm a firm believer in if you want something, go ask for it. The worst 100%. thing that can happen is no, you know? And in this case, it was a match made in heaven. We just couldn't find a right fit for it for so long, but we kept that open line of communication until one day we were like, we found the two people were like, that's it, let's go. That GQ music edition aside, what's been another rollout or project that you've worked on since you've been a part of Platoon that you've been really, really proud of how it turned out? 
I would say Amos for the album release of Yimi Lo, mm -hmm. which was his debut album that he released last year. Um, it's an incredible album. This week, yesterday, actually, uh, the 11th of August, it was announced uh, that the album is officially certified gold and the lead single from the album was officially certified platinum. And the most wonderful thing about having worked on that project was I've had all these ideas throughout my entire career that are marketing strategies, but they were never suitable for old jobs and old projects. So because I was always in a strategic position um, at Rocking the Daisies and the different brands that I worked with, I never throw away ideas that people don't like. I literally have a Google document that is password protected that <laughs> keeps every single one of my rejected ideas since 2017. And there are so many ideas in there that I felt are spectacular or could stand the test of time. And that if someone would trust me to fulfill this idea, I know it would have the desired outcome that I know it has, even though it's never been done before. So to work with an artist like Amos, who wanted the absolute best for his music, who had never really worked with a guided team from marketing to distribution, and just like general support within his career, it was really amazing to be like, I know you're gonna think this is strange, but hear me out. And he went with it. Jackie Queens, who's also part of Bay Electronica, that's how we met. She was managing Amos's campaign at the time, and she was incredible to work with, still is incredible to work with. And the growth we were able to do for that artist and accomplish the goals that he wanted with his music are out of this world. That album has done so well that we released a music video for it not so long ago for an album that came out a while ago last wow. year. Um, we tried out the craziest things that like putting stickers in taxis because every taxi in South Africa has a quirky sticker to all kinds of different experimental marketing um, ideas we, he was so open to it and we went for it. And they weren't really expensive ideas either. They were very budget friendly. So we saw an artist who in less than a year, his following on example and Instagram grew by over 200,000 followers. His uh, monthly listeners grew into the hundreds of thousands. His, he had never had a million streams on a single and suddenly he knows what it feels like to have many millions of streams across many songs. So that for me was also a first that the first time I finally try and do what I've always envisioned full time, it was just like, why didn't I do this sooner? It was almost a confirmation that I'd made the right decision because leaving Daisies was hard. It was really an emotional way to leave because I love my colleagues. Um, and I didn't want to live without them. <laughs> I really didn't because we worked so well together and I felt regret the minute I handed in my resignation letter. Not because I regretted it, but because for the first time in so many years, I had to do something so different that was an idea of how I saw the rest of my life 
rolling out from that moment. Was it going to work out? Was it not going to work out? And having this campaign be one of the first things I did after that and for it to start off so well, it really put me in a good place. What a fantastic story. And also shout out Amos for being just one of the best people to work with. I had him on Text Talks Extra to chat about his phenomenal success, which I had no idea that you were a part of. So now it makes all of the sense in the world <laughs> to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think another thing is that I have always looked at the success of other people's work as their success. I have my private victories, so I wouldn't go screaming from the rooftops that, you know, I, I did that or I worked on that because mm. that's taking credit away from every other moving part that made it as great as, as, as it was. But mm-hmm. he was, he's one of the best. He performed Ama Piano live with a band for the first time after Jackie's encouragement and guidance. And that that's the format that we have always believed Ama Piano should be experienced in, but no one had ever done it. And he took that leap. And most recently, Scorpion Kings curated an entire Scorpion Kings live event. And it's phenomenal. Literally a domino effect of things and creating new experiences for people to experience music at its best or in a way that puts it in the best light. So to work with someone who is as experimental as him and to be a part of something that makes him monumental in his genre, that's also really cool. Mm, Definitely. Now, there are a lot of musicians that listen to this podcast. So in the interest of helping someone that can't afford the service of a PR guru like you, how do you create a marketing plan from the ground up? What are some of the tips that you can share with people that are effective? So my top tips would be decide what is your plan. Do your research Do everything with intention. Never release music for the sake of releasing music or you feel the pressure that you haven't done something in a long time. So let me put it out there. My big golden rule is slower is better. And so by that, it means give your music time to grow. If there's one thing that you'll notice about some songs that become really big in the lead up to the album is that the artist will release that song and some of them will wait four to six weeks before they drop the next single because they want it to grow on radio. They want to make as much buzz about it and they want to give each single the opportunity to have its own life. Because if you drop a full body of work, there's only one, and as a surprise, there's only one song really in that body of work that stands big commercial chance within that first three months of that album releasing, which is what a lot of musicians don't consider. So I would say give every piece of music that you make the opportunity to shine on its own. And first and foremost, that DSPs always love is never announce something when you're not done planning it. If Mm -hmm. you want to announce that your single is dropping on the 23rd of September, only announce that when your song has been mixed and mastered, when you have the artwork for your song, when you've created at the 
very least how you envision that song rolling out to people. Plan your creative, plan your rollout, and set realistic goals for yourself. So in creating a marketing plan for yourself, I would say set objectives of what it is you want that specific body of work or single to achieve. Create a timeline that starts from when maybe your when will your list of deliverables be ready? Um, when are you going to start teasing the song? When does the song come out? What what are, what are you going to do for your out now asset? How are you going to look at the song on your social media one week, two weeks, one month, six months retrospectively? Because putting something out there is only the beginning. And a lot of musicians mm-hmm. treat it as if it's the end. Like all of the work was to hype people up for the song dropping. And now that the song is here, what's next? No. <laughs> the reason classics become classics and viral songs become viral songs and iconic, you know, songs that are synonymous with a person become what they are is because people gave those songs a fighting chance each. And That really is kind of the 101s of a marketing plan. And to just plan your creative, look for the best practices that are out there from how often you should post on social media, which social media formats are the best. Find ways to utilize TikTok. TikTok is the future of music. Mm -hmm. TikTok is so influential in global music trends that when artists say, oh, I don't TikTok or my TikToks don't get views, I'm giving up. Don't do that. (laughs) That is the last thing you should be doing. Billboard has a category in the Billboard Awards that is for TikTok. Even our own South African Music Awards this week, yesterday, announced a new category recognizing viral TikTok songs. So if you're not getting on radio or you don't have the budget for PR, be smart about how you PR your music. If you don't know how to get into media, find content creators on TikTok who speak about music. That is the quickest plug of your music to the bigger world. If you can't afford paid media, ask your friends to post on their social media. Start, try, start trends. Whether you start a trend and you fail, you you tried. And I think a lot of people are always embarrassed by potential failure or looking silly, but you only get somewhere after you have been quite religious about your attempts, particularly in spaces like TikTok and Instagram. So that's something to always keep in mind. And social media should always just be at the top of what you're doing. You don't have to do anything that's game-changing or revolutionary, but utilizing social media when you don't have a marketing budget is your best bet of getting your music out there. And if I did have a little bit of money, right, where would my money be best suited to spending? So I am a huge believer in spending money promoting ads for your music. A lot of musicians, I know it's so traditional and kind of a big candle in the distance, I suppose, of your career to be able to make a music video. I always encourage people to use whatever resources would have created a video to rather create visualizers and use Mm -hmm. those 15 to 30 second visualizers as not only material to 
make your music look good on your socials, but it becomes an asset that you can use to promote. People will click on your 50 Rand ad with a 10 second looped video, even shot in your lounge, way quicker than a still image that is promoting your song. Where you can pay content creators, content creators talking about your music or using your music in the background really goes a long way in terms of visibility. I would also say I'm very, (laughs) I'm very shut the music video down for up and coming artists because I think that so many musicians will say they don't have promotional budget, but will use everything they can to create a music video and then use everything they can scramble up to then promote said music video to boost the video views. But that does nothing to their streams. That does nothing to the discoverability of their music. It, in fact, it just diverts people's attention away from listening to everything else you have to focusing on this one piece of content. Um, sorry to stray a little bit, but I, I really wish up and coming musicians would really leave long form music videos until they reach a certain comfortable part of their music journey. A lot of them, they like, they want to be on TV. TV is cool, but who's watching TV? Like (laughs) not, not in an ignorant way, but I'm saying like your fan is... Is your fan watching TV? Well, exactly. I'm watching, the only time I'm really watching TV is when I go visit my family in December. And we're there now. 100%. (laughs) Eating a pup and flace, watching the 8 p.m. news. Like that's that's the TV experience. It happens at home when you're lazing around. In your day-to-day life, it's it's not something you're actively watching. It's cool. It's really cool. But yeah, it's to use your resources wisely, even when you do have resources. And wherever you can, try split your financial attention between TikTok and Instagram. Oh, that's a fantastic piece of advice. You know, another thing that, you know, I suppose seems like one of the most difficult aspects of marketing. I know that I even struggle with it sometimes, but finding the right brands to work with, right? And once you have a brand wish list, what would be your advice for how to go about contacting those brands? Where does one start? The best place to start is always um, by deciding what it is that you want the brand to do. Creating a proposal for that brand where you highlight what the return of investment will be for that brand. And just being honest about the how the brand is going to benefit from partnering with you because really we all see and understand here that the brand is bringing the value for you. And it would start with finding the contact page for the brand or another way you can go about it is going on LinkedIn and searching for a brand and the brand's manager. That's another way to approach them. Either you follow them or you send a request. And if they follow you back, you can send them an inbox. Whenever you contact a brand, I think it's really important to show them the return of investment and to fulfill your end of the deal once you get it. So there are many ways that you could go for a partnership with a brand. The easiest one is to do inventory 
where you ask for products that you would give to people and then those people then fulfill the commitment that they made to you of sharing that product and tagging that brand. And then that is the ROI that some brands would be happy with. Other brands, you can approach and ask them for product placement within your music video. So you decide that you're going to do a music video and you would like support from a brand um, via showcasing one of their latest products or their premium range or something that you notice they're actively promoting for your demographic and creating a proposal around that where you offer them advertising space essentially for giving you X amount of money to be able to fulfill your production needs for that video. Another way is to approach brands for either product sponsorship at your, let's say, your listening event or um, music showcase. Maybe you want to host a media listening event versus a listening party for people, for like your friends and fans. So another way is to get either product sponsored for that in return for photographs of people using the product that the brand can use as social media content down the line for advertising purposes or just to showcase how cool the brand is because they connected with you um, and this was the guest list of people who are known and ended up interacting with the product but i think it's always important to fulfill your end of the deal so you might get people to post that content and that content doesn't get any views or likes or anything, that's fine. The problem is when the content doesn't materialize. And as a person who's a marketing strategist, that is the hardest way to get burned by a brand, even if that was never your intention. So a classic example there, an artist confirms that if a brand gives them X amount of their product, this is the list of people who will use the product and that's the return of investment, the primary return of investment that the brand is going to get. When you fail to provide that full list, it kind of severs your trust and relationship with that brand and ability to be able to get something back from them. I understand not everything is always in your hands, but that's one of the biggest things with brands. It's always about you give and take to each other constantly. So number one would be Whatever you ask for, be able to deliver what you said you would give. That is the greatest way to start your relationship. So starting by product and then eventually growing a level of trust to the point where you can get money is a great way to start for up-and-comers. You really just are a wealth of information and one lucky woman is going to get the chance to intern with you for three months and learn the industry ropes firsthand. But what advice would you give to other women who want to follow in your footsteps? Wherever you go at music events and the music industry, stop people and ask. Stop people. If you recognize someone from somewhere, stop them and ask. It always feels like there's gatekeeping within the music industry because in some aspects there are, but in other aspects, once you're in a room with all the people that you would have imagined talking and working with, it's so much harder to suddenly walk up to someone and make a conversation. In today's day and age, my advice is go for it. If there's someone who 
who you want to ask a burning question regarding strategy, regarding getting into their company, inbox them. You'd be so surprised. There are so many people who inbox me on Instagram for marketing advice or career advice, and they get so shocked when I reply. My Instagram DMs are a mess. But when I eventually get to replying to people, they're shocked. And I've had that same experience where I DM someone I thought would never reply to me. Like, who are who am I, <laughs> you know, to hear back from people who work at Golden Voice, as an example, about something very random. People who don't know Golden Voice uh, produce Coachella, etc. So you never know. Always where you can ask people because everyone's journey is so different that it's hard for me to say how you can get into where I am besides looking for the jobs that are advertising for that. But you can create that environment for yourself by meeting and getting to know and asking questions of people who play different roles within the space that you want to enter. Again, such great advice. And Zetu, I just want to say thank you for joining me today on Text Talks Extra. And I wish you all the best with the internship and being at the helm of this incredible project. And hopefully we can have you back and talk about the learnings and more industry insights because I feel like we could just sit here for an hour and I could pick your right. brain. But again, <laughs> go on thank forever. You. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thank you for highlighting such an important and beautiful mentorship and program because women are always the last to be able to put a foot in the door, especially on the business side of music. So I can't wait to meet the people who eventually get this internship and I will give you everything. <laughs> Just any question you have, any advice you have, do it. And if I can give advice to other people who are looking for mentors, ask your mentor to help you build strategies for random things. Something people don't know about me, I market children's music in different countries. So create mock scenarios if you one day get a mentor and learn how to create as much as you can, even if you don't think you would end up doing it as a career. Abuse the mentor. <laughs> Fantastic advice. Thank you, Zetu. You are the best. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. A huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store for always having our backs technically. Remember to follow Text Talks on all socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcasts on. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and research and associate producer Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side.